0: and welcome into the Sports Plus Podcast. We were off last week because of Memorial Day, but we're back now. I'm Corey Miller, joined by Frank Cusimano and Amon Hicks. We're going to go Cardinals heavy on this week's episode because that's a talk around town and it's not a good talk right now. The Astros 17-game-in-a-row stretch for the Cardinals they go 6-11, finished off with a four-game sweep from the Reds in St. Louis, first time since 1990. And it feels like the Torches and Pitchforks are already out and the fans want to burn the whole place to the ground and fire everyone about just how concerned should we be uh should everybody just cool off a little bit or or are the torches and pitchforks warranted here
1: it's june 7th i mean what, what what are we panicking for this is a long baseball season the rotation is um It's it's bruised and battered right now. So these guys have gone through a lot. I think that's what we have to take into account. It's what can the Cardinals do to help this lineup right now? Obviously, they need some pitching help. So I think that's the number one concern uh, with the trade uh, deadline looming. But I don't think it's time to panic right now. There's a lot of baseball left to be played. And I would love to see when KK Kim's back and Jack Flaherty and all these guys are playing Harrison Bader, you know, who we expected to play before the season started.
0: Frank, what's your uh, level of concern? I'm sure on the radio this morning uh, you saw quite a, quite a few people on the text line who were who are fed up.
2: Yeah, and I think it's it's not so much that the Cardinals are so mediocre and actually so bad; it's that the teams they're going to be competing against in the division are much better than we thought. I mean, a funny thing happened to the Chicago Cubs on their way to having a fire sale season. They're really good. They got, I think, five guys with an 800 OPS or above. Patrick Wisdom has come out of nowhere, been the player of the week. Baez has been insane. Bryant may be the MVP. Rizzo is Rizzo. And we know the Brewers pitching staff is really good. I mean, who would have thought, you know, about three weeks ago when the Cardinals were close to having the best record in baseball that they're now closer to fourth place than they are to first place?
0: It is wild. And, its I mean, it does seem – The NL Central is just kind of a mediocre slugfest. Uh, None of these teams look like they're going to be able to match up with the Dodgers or Padres right now, or even the Mets starting to come on. But the division's going to be up for grabs all summer long, even if the Cubs are for real, like they look right now. And I think that Cubs ownership group uh, might have preferred if they weren't as good, because then they could sell sell a selling spree a little better. We'll see what they do at the deadline. That's going to be interesting for sure. Not to make too many excuses, but, the injury bug has really impacted the Cardinals here lately, as we, as Ahmad alluded to, Jack Flaherty out considerable amount of time with an oblique injury. We know those can be tricky. KK out with back tightness. But what can the pitching staff even attempt to do right now, Ahmad? How close is it to where, okay, they got to go get somebody from somewhere else?
1: just hope and pray I think right now (laughs) or just hope that these young guys can give you some innings I mean right now uh like you said earlier Max Scherzer I mean I think that's one guy who we all dream of but I think that's just you know a dream right now I don't think that's going to turn into a reality anytime soon uh but you just kind of have to hope that you know the Oviedo's when he steps up on the mound he can do what he's supposed to do you hope that Carlos Martinez is just Carlos Martinez of O and not the one that we saw in his most recent start. So that's what you just have to hope for. You have to hope that the guys that you have on your roster can kind of live up to their expectations and, you know, live up to what the this upper management thought they could do.
0: That's that's a lot of hope in there, Ahmad. We'll have to <laughs> get by on hopes for a while. Uh, but you, it's on you. You mentioned Max Scherzer. Now we got to talk about him uh, because I, I think... Fans, media, everybody's going to try and will this into existence, even if there's not a fit. But, Frank, uh, what do you think? You've had your ear to the ground here. You talked to Mike Claiborne this morning. He seems to think it's at least feasible. Uh, What's the latest on any chance the Cardinals would have at bringing Scherzer home? Well, I don't think that's the first option because the problem
2: is the Cardinals have 31 games before they get to the All-Star break, and they have to tread water. Max Scherzer is not going to be traded before the deadline which is basically August. So I think that John Moselleck is going to have to make a move before that. However, it's, you know, the the Cardinal, like faithful, kind of willed that Nolan Arenado deal to fruition. It took a long time. I do think if Washington is in last place, they're going to move Max Scherzer. Uh, the, The question is, will the Cardinals be in contention when that move is made? Because, you know, if you're getting a steady dose of, you know, four and five inning starting pitchers, you may not be in contention when that time comes. So we'll see what happens. You know, Max
0: pretty well. Do you think he would welcome a trade to the Cardinals if uh, they're in contention and the nationals aren't on the last year of his deal? Do you think there's any still any, uh, any sort of bitter feelings that the Cardinals didn't make it happen when he was a free agent?
2: No, I don't think there's any bitterness there at all, and I think if Max Scherzer has a chance to go from a last-place team with no chance of winning to a team that's got a decent shot to win the division, he'd do it in a heartbeat because that man's existence
0: is about winning. Be nice to see him on the mound for the Cardinals in the postseason, that's for sure. Let's uh, let's end Cardinals talking a positive note. We got a spotlight, Tyler O'Neill, since he returned from his broken finger on his stolen base in San Diego. He's hitting 341 OPS, a 1.151, five homers in 11 games. I mean, this feels like the guy we've been waiting for for a while since he stepped onto the field and we saw the kind of athletic uh, figure he had. Ahmad, yeah, how important you know, is this today? Oh, go ahead, Frank. Go ahead. You're you're ready to talk Tyler
3: well, O'Neill. You go. Uh,
0: yeah. Well, we're going
2: to do something on him at 10. I mean, we're when you're slugging over 600, the OPS is over 900. And, you know, he's the one outfielder that they didn't trade who's producing, you know, (laughs) the rest of them, they trade and they do well. I'm so glad that they showed a little patience with this guy, not to mention that he's a five tool guy. You know, I don't know if he was a legitimate gold Glover, but he fields left field very well. Uh, He runs extremely well. He's really complete. He's just
0: exactly what the doctor ordered for this outfield. Matt, have you seen enough uh, from him yet? Or or are you ready to say, okay, this is the guy?
1: I mean, what more do we need to see? He makes athletic plays in the field. He hustles on the base pad. And I mean, he's just stronger than ever. I mean, so what more do we want to see from an outfielder? I mean, and he has 13 home runs. We've been complaining about a lack of outfield production at the plate uh, for a couple of years. So. We finally have it. There's nothing to complain about.
0: Definitely one of the most fun things about going to a game right now. You can see an O'Neal homer and O'Neal stolen base or first to home or in a diving O'Neal catch in the outfield. So he's definitely worth watching right now. Let's talk. Uh, moving on, we'll talk some uh, sorted playoff talk here in the NBA and NHL because we're in the thick of it right now. Even though we don't have any horses left in either of those races, we never had one in NBA, uh, but. The Hawks have made some noise and they, uh, they're looking to win their first title since they were in St. Louis. You guys are both big basketball guys. So I'm going to go each of you here. What's the storyline that's most intrigued you so far about the NBA playoffs? Frank, you first.
2: Um, I, I think the fact that Jokic has given us even more, you know, he's going to be the NBA MVP John beats going to finish second. And, you know, He's without his prolific scoring guard, but what he's done is he's cut down on his assist because he knows they need him to score more. And he's been insane. He's he's a guy that has a body like Greg Ostertag, but he has a game like Dirk Nowitzki. He's one of the most interesting and fascinating players I've ever seen in the game. And you know, rooting for Denver and Michael Porter Jr it's, it's, it's kind of cool to see. I'd like, I'd love to see Denver win it, but I think Utah may come out of the West.
0: Well, Frank rooting for a crunchy team to win a championship. This just in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get to you in a second. My thing, we're going to see a team we haven't seen win a championship in a long time or ever, which I think it's cool this year. And, and I'm, I'm rooting for like something weird, like a Suns. Uh, who's left in the East? I don't know. Something weird that we've never jazzed that we've never seen in, in gosh, more than a decade. I don't think we've seen a LeBron or a Warriors list finals in what, 12 years or so. Uh, Ahmad, what storyline do you like so far in the NBA playoffs? Well, I, I love the storyline of Devin Booker and the Phoenix Suns, Uh, you
1: know, as they prepare to go up against. Um, the the Nuggets I mean those guys what they did to the Lakers they just showed they were not scared they were just grabbing the bull by the horn and just taking control of that series and uh, you know ageless uh, Chris Paul I mean what he was able to do just control the game not always scoring a lot so I think that angle is really really fascinating coming out of the west and then Brooklyn the way they're going up against uh, Milwaukee they were able to control game one with James Harden Uh, Without James Harden, excuse me, Uh, he left the game with a hamstring injury. So, you know, that's the favorite to win the finals right now are the Nets. So uh, to see what they'll be able to do without James Harden and how long he'll be out is uh, another storyline I'm paying attention to. Yeah, you know
2: what's amazing, too, about Brooklyn is that Blake Griffin looked like he was like 45 years old earlier in the season when he was with the Pistons, and everybody said he's done. And then all of a sudden, he goes to Brooklyn, and he's around these great players, and he's scoring 18 points in a very efficient way, grabbing 14 rebounds, uh, making great passes. I mean, he looks like the Blake Griffin, who was an NBA All-Star. So if they can get James Harden back, they'll win the thing. There's, there's no doubt in my mind. They'll win the thing. And they may even win it without Harden with the way Blake Griffin is playing now.
1: Exactly. They have, I mean, arguably the game's second best player in Kevin Durant. So, and I know uh, Blake Griffin, he didn't even have a dunk when he was playing for the Pistons. And so now he's dunking
0: the ball all the time. So yeah, he definitely has some fresh legs. He went like three years without a dunk. I remember they played it up so big and now he's, now he's in Brooklyn and he's, he's all good again, I guess. Uh, Let's get a quick hockey thought in here before we move on. Frank, We've got the abs and golden Knights with a great series unfolding. We saw what the abs did to the blues. This feels like it should be the Stanley cup final. These are the two best teams left, I think, right?
2: Yeah. I'm with you there. And it's amazing. After that first game, we just thought Colorado was going to steamroll through Las Vegas, just like they did the blues. But Las Vegas is, is one of the great goal prevention teams in the league for a reason. You know, when Alex Petrangelo is only your second best defenseman, that gives you an idea of how good they are. So that that is going to be a whale of the series.
0: All right. Last thing here before we close out the show, we're going to do a quick Olympics primer. We're getting closer and closer to the 2021 Olympics in Tokyo in July. The gymnastics trials is just a few weeks away here in St. Louis. We'll of course ramp up Olympic talk a lot more as we get closer. But the excitement's starting to build. We got storylines forming. Uh, we're going to go each of us just something we're really getting excited for I'll go first I'm excited for Olympic baseball and I don't know if a lot of people are saying that but I think it's going to be a really interesting kind of team put together overall vibe it's not going to be any big names we know or it's going to be big names from the past a lot of older guys Cardinals aren't going to let Matthew Libertor go most likely which that makes a lot of sense they probably shouldn't that's too big of a gamble to take with your top prospect but he helped them qualify for the games. And now you've got a lot of former Cardinals like John Jay, Mark Sipchinski, Edwin Jackson on the team. So I'm looking forward to watching the USA Olympic baseball as we get closer to the games here coming up in July. Amon, what are you looking forward to? Always look forward to the track.
1: Oh, man, just because I wish I was that fast. I was never that fast growing up, unfortunately. So track is something I always look forward to. And swimming, uh, I grew, I fell in love with swimming. swimming with Michael yeah. Phelps. yeah, Michael Phelps made me fall in love with swimming. Uh, and now I'm just a fan of Team USA. So uh, it doesn't matter whether it's Katie Ledecky or whoever the case may be, I'm rooting for everybody.
0: Olympic swimming is some of the most exciting sports I've ever watched. It's so much fun. Frank, what are you looking forward to? Well, my
2: dad always said that if you ever have a chance to see the greatest ever in their profession, you got to go see it, whether you're in love with the sport or not. So when I was a kid, he took me to Bush Stadium to see Pele play soccer for the Santos team. I'll never forget it. And uh, I'm looking forward to watching Simone Biles, the greatest of all time, you know, perform her excellence at the dome. I'm excited.
0: Yeah. The, uh, women's gymnastics team, definitely going to be a topic of conversation in Tokyo and we get to see them firsthand here before they make that journey. So definitely a lot to look forward to when it comes to the Olympics this week on the sports plus podcast, we'll hear Ahmad Hicks conversation with Olympian hammer thrower, SDL native and former SIU Saluki Gwen Berry. Barry has become known for her activism and her athletic accomplishments and says she's not going to stop standing up for what she believes in. Here's a month's talk with Barry that aired on Sports Plus Sunday night.
3: At the 2019 Pan Am Games, I raised a Black fist um, symbolizing Black power and Black unity for my community and my people.
1: What has life been like since you decided to protest?
3: Uh, the backlash was pretty severe. Um, immediately, I was dropped from one of my um, my best and most uh, prominent sponsors. I was immediately threatened by people around the world that I didn't even know. And I was sanctioned by the USOPC and the IOC.
1: When you say you were sanctioned, what happened?
3: So basically a sanction is um, a 12 month month probationary period. So during that 12 month period, I was not allowed to protest or speak about any type of political um, situation in the field of play or any major championship.
1: So in a sense, they silenced your voice because you stood up for what you believed in.
3: Absolutely, I was completely silenced for 12 months. And had I not adhered to that sanction, then I probably could have been kicked out the sport.
1: When I want to ask you about Rule 50 from the IOC, it says no kind of demonstration or political, religious or racial propaganda is permitted in any Olympic sites. How does that make you feel knowing that back in the day, Tommy Smith and John Carlos did exactly what you did in 1968 and now that rule is still the same in 2021?
3: It's ridiculous. It's really ridiculous. I feel like this whole world is going through a renaissance right now and um It's just disheartening that the IOC has still not changed their minds on allowing athletes to speak out on our basic human rights.
1: For you, when did you start to see things change?
3: Unfortunately, the USOPC started to change their mind um, due to the death of George Floyd and the whole nation seeing how careless people can be when it comes to black lives and how reckless they can be in consideration to how much we matter to this world and this country.
1: Do you feel confident that the USOPC will have your guys' back if you choose to protest in these 2021 games?
3: Um, Right now, yeah. I feel like the IOC can't punish us all. The IOC can't ban us all, and the IOC does not want any problems. So they'll either have to deal with what the athletes do because we have the power, or they don't. And I feel like the athletes have the power, and once we know that, we can do whatever we want to do.
1: Let's talk about your shirt, activist athlete. Where did this come from?
3: Um, so too often enough, athletes are just told to shut up and perform or shut up and play. And too often enough, our superpowers are being capitalized off of. But first and foremost, I believe that every black athlete is an activist. We have a right and we have the duty to represent our communities because our communities are what made us.
1: And Gwen, your story even made it to Real Sports HBO with Brian Gumbel. How surreal is that?
3: Oh man, that was very important and very um, impactful. Um, I was happy that HBO reached out to me and wanted to hear my stance on the IOC and what Rule 50 means and just the whole concept of, you know, caring for these black athletes in our black lives and knowing the importance of our lives.
1: When you look back, say 20 years from now, and you think about the Tommy Smiths and the John Carlos and the Colin Kaepernicks just a few years ago, where would you consider yourself among those people?
3: I will look at myself as an athlete who honestly stood up for what I feel and for what I know and for what I see. I see how black people are treated in America. I feel the disrespect and the disregard for our lives. And I know my son will be better off for it if I do it and speak on it now.
1: A lot is going on this year with COVID and whatnot. Do you feel safe about going to Tokyo and competing in these games?
3: I do feel like the Japanese um, government will do everything they can to ensure the safety of us athletes, but I do feel like it is still reckless for the IOC to want to continue to promote the games and to go forward with the games only for monetary and financial gain. I think it's irresponsible, for sure.
1: Now for you, if given the opportunity to stay home or to compete, I'm assuming that you're gonna compete.
3: Absolutely. I'm going to compete because either I compete for us all or I boycott for us all. And let's be honest, um, for all athletes to boycott the Olympic Games, it's pretty unrealistic. So, you know, I'll go.
1: You were in the Olympics in Rio in 2016. What would it mean to go back five years later?
3: Um, It would honestly mean a lot to me, only because now I have more that I'm fighting for. I have more that that I'm standing for and representing for.
1: Gwen, if you could go back to 2019 to the Pan Am Games, would you change anything?
3: Absolutely not.
0: That will do it for this episode of the Sports Plus Podcast. Be sure to download and subscribe as well as rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great week, everyone.